Praise the Lord, everyone out there in podcast land. This is Dr. Dennis James Woods, and we're here with you one more time with the Revelation Revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, do not touch that dial. Stay tuned for another very exciting episode of the Revelation Revolution. It is December 21st. 2019 the last few days of this year are upon us Christmas about to happen but we have had some week but before we go any further I would like to inform you that you have just entered another exciting episode of the Revelation Revolution Praise God, everyone. It's so glad to be. I'm so glad to be with you. This has been quite a week. As we all know by now, President Trump has been impeached. We're now waiting for a trial in the Senate. And um, we just know that our country is in uncharted waters. I mean, it is really, really unfortunate that we have to go through this at this time but we are where we are in society and in history and it's really sad to see the partisan politics that is going back and forth but that's really not the big thing that I wanted to talk about what I really wanted to talk about was the article that came out in Christianity Today. The top evangelical publication in the country. They just came out with an article that calls for President Trump to be removed from office. Wow. Now this is significant. Not, not that it's actually going to happen, but that we're starting to see cracks in the white evangelical base. It's important, and we're going to be talking about it. All of this has eschatological consequences that is right there are end time consequences to what we are seeing today listen to some of the comments that were made in this article I'm quoting the from the article it says the, f the facts in this instance are unambiguous 
The president of the United States attempted to use his political power to coerce a foreign leader to harass and discredit one of the president's political opponents. This is not only a violation of the Constitution, but more importantly, it is profoundly immoral. And this is what else it says in that article. In spite of his blackened moral record, speaking of Donald Trump, then, he, then it, he's encouraging evangelicals to do this. He says, we need to remember loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments and your witness to your Lord and Savior. That's, that's a profound statement, ladies and gentlemen. The question the magazine is asking evangelicals is, is where is your loyalty? Who gets priority here? Your agenda or the Lord that redeemed you, that saved you? This is something else the article said. Mr. Trump, it is said, was morally lost and confused. So the question is, ladies and gentlemen, why are so many white evangelicals and evangelicals in general backing Trump when he's clearly immoral, unqualified for the job, arrogant and very bombastic belligerent insulting it's like evangelicals nod their heads while holding their nose for example, like the attack Trump did at a Michigan rally on the day he was being impeached. He goes to the state of the senator or the congressman that had just died. His wife uh, 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 stepped up into his office. And in the very state they're from, he joked about the possibility of her husband looking up from hell. Of course, the senator's wife was devastated by that comment and even Republican senators said it was inappropriate but ladies and gentlemen yet and still evangelicals are behind this man 70 to 80 percent of white evangelicals backed President Trump in the election in 2016 and are still behind him now. The question is why? Why is it that way? There was a very interesting interview on CNN. Uh, I believe it was last night it came on. On the Aaron Burnett show. She had on Billy Graham's granddaughter. 
and she was asked about the Christianity Today article whom her uncle Franklin Graham came out against the article. Now just for those of you who didn't know, Billy Graham had a hand in starting Christianity Today magazine. So this is this is why the Grahams are particularly pulled into it. But let me play this let me play this interview for this for you because I don't want people accusing me of I'm making up stuff or things like that. So let's listen to the interview. I wanted to give you a chance first to respond. The president of the United States is saying uh, no president, uh, This he's quoting, I'm quoting him, I'm sorry, has ever done what I have done for evangelicals or religion itself. What's your response to that? Hey, Aaron, um, you know, I saw that tweet and um, there's actually some truth to it. Um, you know, there's some policies that he's pushed through, um, Supreme Court justices and, uh, you know, his stance on pro-life that I agree with and think has taken the evangelicals a long way. But my question is, how much are we going to excuse in exchange for that? Um, you know, the, the fear and the, the quote I hear all the time is, he's the lesser of two evils. Um, my fear in the lesser of two evils is eventually one of those evils stops looking evil. And um, I'm just not sure that the good he's done excuses um, or outweighs the rest. Hmm. That's very uh, poignantly said. Um, you know, you're a Christian evangelical, which you're referring to uh, yourself, Jerusha, but you say that this piece, that the editorial on Christianity today, is long overdue. Obviously, it calls uh, for President Trump's uh, removal, and it makes a case not just in terms of Ukraine, which it clearly does, but also in, in broader uh, right. moral terms. You say it's long overdue. Why? You know, it's it's courageous. Um, my grandfather always said that um, courage is contagious. My hope is that um, an article like this will be the first step for people to actually stand up and start saying, you know what, I'm actually not comfortable. Um, it's a scary thing to do, especially when there's things on the line. Um, so I understand the fear, but I think it's also time that um, enough is enough. And at some point, um, like he speaks about in the article, the moral balance starts to weigh heavier on the side of it being more dangerous to not say something than to say something. And, and look, what, what you're coming out and, and, and speaking, it's not easy for anyone to do so, and certainly not easy for you. Obviously, the magazine, uh, you know, your, your grandfather's name is, is part of that. Um, your uncle, Franklin Graham, disagrees, right. though, with the editorial. He said, quote, for Christianity Today right. to side with the Democrat Party in a totally partisan attack on the president of the United States is unfathomable. Um, Look, you know, it's, it's your uncle. You can have disagreements in families, uh, but but nonetheless, uh, yours is one which is a, a lion within the evangelical community, and and you do disagree with him. Why? Um, you know, it's okay to disagree. Um, that happens often. I'm sure your viewers are aware of that. But I think my um, my hesitation in saying how my grandfather would act or feel or what he would say or do when he's not here to agree or disagree with those statements is just a kind of a dangerous place to be. Um, I would ask people to look at his ministry, to look at his character, to look at the things he did and said during his ministry and um, ask themselves if those things align with the things the president um, is doing and saying. All right. Well, I appreciate your time, uh, Jerusha. And as I said, I thought it was um, pretty powerful what you said, uh, that when you when you say the lesser of two evils, you're worried. That now, that was a profound interview, because one of the things that she said 
they keep turning their back on evil, then pretty soon evil stops looking evil. That's profound, ladies and gentlemen. She said it's long overdue for evangelicals. Long overdue. So, the question is, why are evangelicals still backing this man? You know, you keep hearing about the evangelical agenda. Let's name a few of these things. Put in conservative judges at the Supreme Court appellate level, district level, which they've been doing. Try to overturn Roe v. Wade. They're, they're working on that. Protect our borders. They're working on that. Overturn some of the game. Overturn a lot of the restrictions that affirmative action has caused. And last but not least, protect our Second Amendment rights to bear arms. We want the machine guns. We want those weapons that cause mass carnage that should only be found on a, a military, a battlefield. We want to be able to buy those. We want to be able to go to Walmart or, or, or these other stores that have these weapons. I think Walmart might have stopped selling them now, but uh, we want to buy these big clips and these dangerous bullets and we want all of that. We want the right for that. Give us our agenda. But it's what she said that makes a difference. They're getting their agenda, but at what cost? What price are you paying for it? It's like the evangelicals are saying, just give me uh, my, our agenda. I don't care. I don't care if you're in bed with the Russians, who according to Ezekiel 38 and 39, are going to attack Israel, aligned with Turkey, Iran, Libya, Ethiopia, and, 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 and the other coalition of the Islamic countries are going to attack Israel. That's the country that you admire, Mr. President. I don't care that you're in bed with the Russians. Just give me my agenda. Just give me my agenda. I don't care if you are personally arrogant and immoral. And in your own campaign, you, you even stated, I've never asked God for forgiveness. I don't care if you're immoral. I don't care if you never ask God for forgiveness. Just give me my agenda. Just give me my agenda. I don't care if I have told thousands of lies, documented, and mischaracterized facts to spin a situation Whenever you get caught in a lie. Just give me my agenda. The evangelicals are saying. I don't care. If you call white supremacists very fine people. As they spew out Nazi, uh, Nazi hatred. Jews will not replace us. The same Jews you claim that you love. Even though you 
pulled support from the Kurds in Syria and allowed Turkey to attack our enemies and embolden Iran and Russia in that area to the detriment of Israel, who you so love. Just give me my agenda. And when, you, and when you're doing things like that, Mr. President, we'll, we'll nod our head, but we'll hold our nose. Just give me a good economy. I don't care if you made deals with prostitutes and then tried to cover it up with lawyers. I don't care about that. Just give me my agenda. I don't care if we have on tape you saying you will grab a woman by her private parts and laugh about it. I'll vote for you anyway. Just give me our agenda. Just give us our agenda. Just give us Roe versus Wade victory. And I don't care if you stoke racist polarity in our country. I don't care about that. You know something? President Trump has never come out and made a statement saying to all these racist attacks have to stop. He's never called white supremacists out. Say you white supremacists do not suppose that we are on the same side. He's never made a statement like white people I'm speaking to you now do not assume that I'm giving a green light for you to direct hatred or violence towards anyone of color whether black white brown or yellow we are all Americans there is no one supreme over anyone else we are all the image bearers of God Just protect my second right amendment, Mr. President. You can do what you want. Say what you want. I'll hold my nose and nod my head. Just give us our agenda. That's why white evangelicals support President Donald Trump. Their agenda allows them to accept the immorality of this president and look the other way. But one thing I have to say, first of all, white evangelicals do not represent all Christians. Christianity is not monolithic. You know, if you look at Revelation chapter uh, 7 and 9, it says a great multitude that no one can count from every nation, tribe, people, and tongue, standing before the, before the throne and before the Lamb. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. To all nations. You know, in the in the Jewish law, they were commanded to be hospitable to the strangers of their land and not to mistreat them. You know, it's amazing that with all of this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. Still, 70 to 80 percent of white evangelicals back 
President Trump. Even though they know he has some serious issues. This is why Christianity Today's stance is so important. And I quote again, in spite of his black and moral record to remember the loyalty to the creator of the Ten Commandments and your witness to your Lord and Savior. Your, loyal to, your loyalty is to be to Jesus that trumps everything else. No pun intended. I believe this current evangelical stance has eschatological implications. This give us what we want and I don't care how moral you are. We'll support you anyway is a very dangerous mindset and puts Christians on a very slippery slope. And we're going to get into why. In Matthew chapter 15 verses 3 through 9 I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus replied why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? I want you to remember this because we're going somewhere. Traditions trump the word of God. Unfortunately, it's true. People will hold on to their traditions more than God. So we get into the reasons why evangelicals would, would, would hold on to someone that's that icky. Verse number four. For God said, honor your father and mother and anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if someone declares that what might have been used to help father or mother is devoted to God. They are not to honor their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. People would rather hold on to their traditions and agendas more than adhere to the word of God. And this is why what the evangelicals are doing is so dangerous. Because it has eschatological consequences. Now the reason why this is important, I want to play another sound bite for you. This is the sound bite of one of the top evangelical leaders in the world. One of the top evangelical leaders in the world. 
And I want you to hear what it is he actually says. And this top evangelical leader is Dr. John MacArthur. I want you to hear what he says about people taking the mark of the beast. Today. Okay. Do you remember when you talked about the, uh, someone asked uh, about the mark of the beast and whether or not someone could receive the mark of the beast and then become a believer? You remember that? Uh-huh. Do you remember the controversy that stirred up? Yes. It was quite a bit, wasn't it? It was. I got a lot of emails, people saying, I can't believe he would say such a thing. You remember all that? Yes, sir, I do. All right. Well, I was walking April the other night listening to a Q&A uh, from a few years ago uh, where Pete John MacArthur on a Wednesday night lets, would have the folks in his congregation stand up and go to the microphone and shoot questions at him. Would you like to hear the question he was asked and his answer? Okay, here we go. It's in regard to the latter half of the tribulation period when, when men would be required to have the mark of the beast in order to buy or sell. My question is, uh, once a person takes the mark, is there any possibility of him coming to Christ? Yes. Uh, I think, you know, in the seven-year tribulation coming in the future, we're going to get into this so probably a week from Sunday night, maybe this Sunday night, maybe a week, I'm not sure. But... Um, the tribulation is a seven-year period, right? The rapture of the church, seven-year tribulation, then Christ returns, sets up his kingdom. Now, in that seven-year period, really two things happen. God begins to judge the world with a series of holocausts, and at the same time, he begins to redeem his people, Israel. And in the process of this, the Antichrist establishes his rule, and in order to function in the economy of the Antichrist, you have to take the mark of the beast. Uh, the mark being the number of a man, Revelation 13, 666. Six is the number of man, right? Seven is the number of perfection, and man always falls short of perfection. 6666. Six, six, six. Always six is never seven. So the number of man. And apparently what's going to happen, you take the mark on your hand or on your forehead. And we've talked a lot about that, you know, that, uh, that that's kind of the computer situation. We're now moving fast toward the time when we're going to have to do everything we do by cards and by numbers and all of that. And uh, uh, those numbers, the thing about a card that's a problem is you lose it and they've already devised systems to put the number on your hand and on your forehead. And you go through a scanner and, then you know, that's how you buy and sell. It's automatically deducted from your bank account. Now, the question is, if you're living in the tribulation period and you take this mark, in other words, you identify with the beast's empire, Will you still be able to be redeemed? And I think the answer to that is yes. Yes. Otherwise, there would be no salvation of anybody in the end of the tribulation. And you've got to have the salvation of folks in the end of the tribulation. You're going to have the Jews redeemed. You're going to have, according to Revelation chapter 7, an innumerable number of Gentiles redeemed. So many, they can't even be counted across the face of the earth. So I don't think the fact that someone takes that is a sentence to, it, to permanency. Any more than you being a part of this world system once in your life means you have to be a part of the system all your life. Well, especially when the 144,000 don't start their ministry till the second half. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That make it a little tough. Yeah. Well, there you go, Dr. DeYoung. <laughs> well, we're looking at the same book. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what's so interesting, and that's what we were saying. I mean, you know, that's not the impartable sin. You've got to be... I, I, thought, I, I never thought that what he said there was very interesting. The fact
fact is, if nobody gets saved in the last three and a half years because they have received that mark, where's that uh, unbelievable number of Jews that come to know Christ and that are living that actually go into the millennial kingdom in natural bodies? That's good that uh, Brother John is looking at the same book that I am, and we came up with the same answers. Well, it is, and that was very interesting because you remember that was really, really controversial. I don't, I'm not so sure you've ever made a statement on our program before that was as controversial as that one. And I guess nobody emails on it. And uh, and then I was walking the dog the other night listening to this Q and A, and I thought, oh, I've got to play this on the air. This this will be a great surprise for Dr. DeYoung. So there well, you go. it is a pleasant surprise. And uh, the dear brothers and sisters who disagreed, you know, I don't quite know where they were coming from. I, I don't need to know that. But just uh, now, with uh, that confirmation from another uh, Bible teacher, and he's a great Bible teacher. I'm just a beginner, but uh, no, the, I wouldn't the, say that. But go but, on. <laughs> uh, it's great to see that and the confirmation of both of us believing that same thing. I wonder how many more emails you're going to get now. Oh well. Oh well. <laughs> wow. Did you hear that? One of the top evangelical theologians and scholars in the world, ladies and gentlemen, Dr. John MacArthur, says sells commentaries and books broadcast all over the world. It's known all over the world. And Brandon House, a uh, uh, Worldview a Weekend broadcast. And Dr. Jimmy DeYoung, who is a dispensational pre-trib uh, uh, scholar, lives over in Israel and all that. He has, he, he, you see him all the time or, or a lot of times on the Dan Ankenberg show. He comes on. Did you just hear them say, using their own human reasoning, that people can get the mark of the beast and still be redeemed. We're going to read the scripture. But I want you to see what Jesus was saying. How the traditions and the agendas of men trump the word of God. And then he was said, oh, John, he's such a great Bible teacher, and I'm so glad he came out and said it, because I believe it too. And, 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 and you know what? They defend it. John MacArthur has, they, def, they defend that position, ladies and gentlemen. And other evangelical people have picked that argument, the, the argument that John MacArthur uses, because so, he has so much influence. Other people are now saying that. So it's not just John MacArthur. This was a big, big time controversy. So, notice how, again, how Jimmy DeYoung, go back and listen to it when you have time, gives more credence to what John MacArthur says over what the Bible explicitly states. Now, let me read the passage. I'm going to read this from the New King James Version of the Bible. Okay, now. Then, a third angel followed them saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, 
he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the lamb and the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever and they have no rest day or night who worships the beast and his image or whosoever receives the mark of his name now ladies and gentlemen that's what the bible says what john macarthur says contradicts that john macarthur said oh yeah you, you can still be redeemed you can go and get the mark oh god gotta do this oh. and he's got his little little answers you know Could you just imagine on Judgment Day, God opening up the scriptures to get got a person with the mark of the beast, and God opens up the scriptures and reads this verse, these this passage, and that person reaches back and gets a MacArthur commentary and reads back John MacArthur's comments as a defense. For him disobeying the word of God. <laughs> it is crazy. This is. And these other scholars. They just got right in with it. Tell you what, engage me for a moment. As my friend uh, Lucky says, let's 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 play in the weeds a little bit here. All right, now, first of all, the pre-trib teaching that the church would not be here uh, during this time is wafer thin. You guys know what I teach here. You know we teach pre-wrath. Those of you who don't know, well, I'm, you you'll just have to go back and listen to the other podcasts. Okay, there's a reason why. Uh, pre-trib claims that people of Revelation 13 are the left behinds. It, it, there's a reason why they do that. It, but, it, but it mainly has to do with their interpretation of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit is the restrainer that's, that's being taken out of the way and because the Holy Spirit goes, the church has to go. That's basically it. Uh, there's other things that they use. But anyway, but, but, but just for argument's sake, let's just say, let's just say, that the saints of Revelation 13 who get martyred by the beast is the church. Let's just for argument's sake say that. Okay, now. Just for the sake of argument. How is it that those believing in Jesus during that time would take the mark of the beast in the first place? Why would they take it? Why would they take the mark? Could it be the same thing that evangelicals are doing today? Think about it. The same thing that evangelicals are doing today would be the same reason why a Christian then would take the mark. 
You see, because the Christians during that situation that are still here, glory God, like, like I said, we're just we're just we're just playing in the weeds right now. This is I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this pan this back out. Uh, I'm gonna pull this back out pretty soon. But I just want to make some some points here. If the, we're assuming that this Revelation 13 Christians that are being martyred by the Antichrist are the church. Just, just assume that. I mean, I mean, that's what I teach anyway. But just, let's just go for argument's sake. Let's just say this is a fact, okay? All right. So the question is, is why would one of those Christians get the mark of the beast? Why would they do it? Especially when they know what the Bible says. Why would they do that? Why would they compromise? Maybe they're going, uh, I know it's something kind of off about this guy and a Christ, but he's giving me what I want. He's giving me the right to share in the economy. And the only way I can share in the economy is to get the mark of the beast. I mean, I have to pay my bills. I have to feed my kids. I have to, I have to pay college tuition. He's given me what I want. I'm a law-abiding citizen. I can't get locked up in jail. The only way he's given me my freedom if I get the mark. He's given me what I want. My agenda is to participate in the economy, be a law-abiding citizen. This is my agenda. And now, now I know he's a little, I know this Antichrist guy, I know he's a little arrogant. I know he says crazy things about those who dwell in heaven. I know he's blas he's a blasphemer. I, I, I know he does these things, but he also has a great economical system. God, you 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 don't have to use dollars anymore. You don't you don't have to you, you know you can't lose your credit card. And there's no more there's no more uh, uh 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 identity theft. We've done away with that. He's actually brought in a good system. This is the best economic system the world has ever known. We're all liberated, and it's it is no checks. It's no it, it's it's no paper dollars. It's no more black markets. It's no more people selling using money to buy things illegally. All of it is controlled. He has given us a great economic system. It's my duty as a citizen to participate and do what's right. Be a law-abiding citizen. Yeah, I know he kind of hates Christians and you know he says weird things about Jesus and he says weird things about those that dwell in heaven, but he's giving me what I what I want. You know, I I can put up with crazy. I, I can put up with blaspheming God. But he'll allow me to buy food and sell. He'll allow me to continue to work on my job and my career. My kids can stay in school. Besides, if I don't get the mark of the beast, I'm breaking the law. I'm 
a law-abiding citizen. I can't get locked up and taken from my family. He's given me the freedom that I want. I know he says bad things about the Bible. He says things about Jesus. I know he's, he's immoral, but, but he's given me what I want. The Lord will understand that I'm seeking to save my life. He'll understand. Look, if I don't get the mark of the beast, they'll kill me. They'll kill my kids. They'll kill my wife and my mom and my niece and my, 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 my uncles, my, grand, my poor grandma and all of those innocent people will just be slaughtered. The Lord will understand that I'm going to seek to save my life. I'm going to compromise. I know he's immoral, but he's given me what I want. I want freedom. I want economic freedom. I want to continue to be able to work, buy and sell in this economy. I know that I'm seeking to save my life, though I know what it says in Matthew. I know Matthew 16, 25 says, For, whosoever, who, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. I know Jesus said that, but I can't get my head cut off. So I can get the mark of the beast. Christ has given me what I want. My life is spared and my head's not on the chopping block. And a Christ has given me what I want and according to John MacArthur and others in the evangelical world, I can compromise and get this mark. And I can still be redeemed. Yes, I get the bust of both worlds. Antichrist is giving me what I want. I can get the mark of the beast and still be redeemed. That's what my evangelical teachers are teaching me. That's what the top evangelical teacher in the world is teaching me. And since he says it, it's got to be right. And the Bible has to be wrong. Okay, now I'm pulling out of the weeds. You know what the, the, the scriptures they use to justify this position? It's 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And they say, and let, me, let me read it. It says, uh, 6, 9, 9 through 11. This is what it says, New King James Version. For you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, nor sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revelers, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. But you are washed, but you are sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord and by the Spirit of our God. Now, so what he's, do, what he's doing is he's saying, ah, the mark of the beast is in the same category they claim as receiving the mark of the beast is, is not the unpartable sin. And the, and basically they say that the receiving the mark of beast is no different than any other sin. And such were some of you. 
and you can be redeemed and just get the mark. All you got to do is read Revelation 16. The first thing the breath of God hits is people with the mark of the beast. Doesn't sound like God is real, real, like uh, accommodating there. It says everybody that has the mark gets a nasty, cancerous sore, incurable. Don't mess with God. So why would you put your trust? Would you trust your soul to MacArthur's words? This is why this is so dangerous, ladies and gentlemen. Can you see what's happening here? First of all, pre-trib has sold people a bill of goods. That they're going to be gone before all this stuff happens. It's just a theory. I spend the whole 18 episodes, all my episodes, explaining to you why this is wrong. I told you how I wrote Dr. John Walvoord and Dr. Dwight Pentecost, the two top evangelical dispensational scholars who were the disciples of Lewis Berry Schaefer, who was a disciple of C.I. Schofield, who was influenced by John Nelson Darby when he came to the United States with this doctrine. I went to those guys and I said, your theory is wrong. They couldn't disprove what I was saying because you can't disprove the Bible. What you do is take your tradition and make it speak louder in the ears of the people than the Bible does. And that's what John MacArthur has just done. First of all, they're promising people they're not going to be here. The revelation clearly says these are the people of God. They're the saints. These are these that remain faithful to Jesus. This is not some second class group. It's actually the last generation of church saints. Glory to God. They're the, this, is, this, is the anchor. this is the anchor generation who crosses the finish line. This is actually that group. But they say, well, this isn't, this isn't them. We're gone already and we're gone. Now, let me put this question to you. Suppose pre-trib is wrong. It's just a theory, ladies and gentlemen. This stuff hasn't happened yet. It's, they, they have a whole bunch of aspects of their theory. They said, this is how it's going to be. And this is how it's going to be. Yeah, and you listening to one of the main proponents of pre-trib sit there and tell you, don't believe what your eyes see in Revelation 14. Believe my commentary. Believe my words over that. So now you've got a situation coming to where people who should have known about what's going to happen in the last days, they're not reading Revelation because they're told it's not going to be here. They're told the church is not going to be here. They're not prepared. They're not, they're, not, they're not close to being like the first, second, and third century saints were who were Christians, who, were, who, who knew that becoming a Christian meant the death sentence, who were thrown to the lions, who were martyred in the circus, circus Maximus, who, who suffered cruel punishments under 10 administrations of Caesars. Wicked Antichrist men who hated Christians. Their death is in no more worse than ours. You've got Christians in the world right now being get, getting their heads cut off and getting shot for being Christians. No different. If there were a thousand Antichrists, the only thing he could do was kill you one time. But we're not trying to hear none of that here in America, especially. No, we got it good over here. 
we don't care about the rest of the world because we got we got we got all that good stuff over here. And it's going to be the way we say it's going to be. This is how Jesus is going to do it. He's going to do this. He's going to do this with the Holy Spirit. He's going to take take all of them. He's going to take the Christians. We're not here. Revelation don't mention the church after Revela- uh, uh, Revelation chapter 3. Uh, uh, so the church is gone. The Holy Spirit is gone. Even though there's no scripture saying the Holy Spirit is going anywhere. All of this stuff, even though that even though Paul did not say the restrainer was the, was, was, the, uh, was the Holy Spirit in 2 Thessalonians. He didn't say who it was. So what do we have to do? We have to go to the scripture that deal with the Antichrist pre-trib goes to Genesis uh, 6-3 they go to Isaiah uh, 59-19 they go to uh, uh, passages in John that have nothing to do with the Antichrist nothing to do with end time prophecy nothing to do with the restraining ministry none of that it had nothing to do with anything, uh, any of that stuff nothing to do with Antichrist and the scriptures that they should be reading that's in Revelation that deal with Antichrist they don't deal they don't use those they get they they explain those away. So now, just assume, ladies and gentlemen, what if pre-trib was wrong? And what if evangelicals are real practice in support supporting somebody even when they know he's jacked up? They know he's jacked up. That's what I mean by they nod their head and hold their nose. They know he's icky. They know that. They're not blind to that. But they support him, undying support, because he's giving them what they want. That's how you make a compact with the devil, ladies and gentlemen. You compromise with him because he gives you what you want. So this is why when Christianity Today came out with that, this is a great thing. This is a great thing, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody should say something. Let me reiterate what Jesus said in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. He said, these people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as the doctrines and the commandments of men. Pre-trib is a commandment of men. John MacArthur is telling people that you can get the mark of the beast and still be redeemed. People who are here at that time, ladies, and just, just, just imagine, suppose pre-trib is wrong and all of those people that John MacArthur and all of these other scholars have taught, it's okay to get the mark of the beast. Sorry, ooh, we missed it about the rapture part, but that's okay. If you get the mark of the beast, you can still be redeemed. Baby, ladies and gentlemen, all them people would be lost. They would all be lost and their blood would be on the hands of those evangelical scholars who dared come against the word of God. You can't do it. Could you imagine standing before God quoting a John MacArthur commentary? The main premise that's wrong with John MacArthur's assertion is this. That everyone has to get the mark of the beast. First of all, that's not correct. Everyone will not get the mark of the beast. The passage clearly says, this is what Revelation says. Verse number, Revelation 13, 8. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. 
M dash, that long dash, all whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the Lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. That's your qualifier. See, the premise that the people that are in Revelation chapter 7, that, that, that they say they're going to they're be there, they come out of the tribulation. See, what he's saying is, is those people would have gotten the mark of the beast because everybody had to, but they're still getting saved. See, that's what he's saying. But the thing he's missing is the Bible never said everybody was going to get the mark of the beast. The ones who are not going to get it are the ones whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In other words, these people are saved. They're not going to do it. They're not going to. Because their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They actually have a relationship with the Lord and God knows who they are. Let me read the rest of this. It says, All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life, slain from the foundation of the world. Now listen to this. Whoever has ears, let them hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity, he will, they will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword they will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. Ladies and gentlemen, will you listen to that? Just listen. Don't do any pre-trib, post-trib, my trib, your trib. Don't do no tribs. Just listen to what the passage says. The passage is saying, listen y'all, this is what's going to happen. When the beast comes... He is going to make it law that everybody has to get the mark of the beast. But Jesus is saying, I still got some saints here. I still got some church folk here. They're not going to do it. Their names are written in the last book of life. So what happens is, after God gives the instruction about what's going to happen, then he gives this warning or encouragement. This is forward encouragement. He said, listen. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity you're going to go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword, they will be killed. Listen to this next verse, this next sentence. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of God's people. So why do you think he would put that there? With unsaved folks. Now, if, if, the, if, if, if all the saved people are gone, why is that there? What God is saying, listen, there's going to be serious persecution. Some of you are going to be thrown into prison. Some of you are going to be killed. And I'm telling you ahead of time, because this is going to call for your patience and endurance and faithfulness. He said, I'm telling you this because if you get that mark, you are going to hell. Period. So let me, let me break this down for you. Yes, you might get locked up. That, that might happen. Yes, somebody in your family might get killed. You might get killed. Yes, that might happen. 
He said, so I'm giving, he said, this is going to cause, call for you to be patient. I'm coming back. The dead in Christ are going to rise first. Listen, you guys don't have to worry about anything. You're still, you're heaven bound. But just as I was martyred, you're going to be martyred. Just as the uh, 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 disciples were martyred and thousands of Christians through the first, second, and third century of Christianity. All of these people dying. They always have died for the faith. The Bible says in Psalms, precious is the death of his saints in the sight of the Lord. God here is not abandoning his people. What he's saying here, have patience, endure, remain faithful. That's the instruction. That's what he's saying. Listen to what Revelation 12 and 11 says. And they overcame him. So about the Satan. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Now listen to that, ladies and gentlemen. These are the saints of Revelation. They are a sold out group. These people have so much integrity that God permits them to be martyred under the Antichrist because he knows they're going to endure. They have been chosen to suffer on his behalf. Chosen for it. Marked out for it. Paul says we're like sheep for the slaughter. We're killed all the day long. He said, but yea, in these things we are more than conquerors. That's why not even death or life or things present or things to come or hype or death or any other creature, angels, demons, what life, things to come, things to the past. It don't make a difference. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. Look, look what he told the church in Revelation 2.10, the church of Smyrna. Listen to what he said to them. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. In other words, it's going to happen now. The devil shall cast some of you into prison that you may be tried. And ye, have, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. I will give you the crown of life. Jesus didn't say, I'm coming to get you out. I'm going to bust you out. I'm going I'm to rescue you. I'm going to send angels. I'm going to split the cell doors open. Uh -uh. He said, devil going to get some of y'all. Don't worry about it. I got you. Don't worry about this life only. This is what Revelation was talking about, ladies and gentlemen. They loved not their lives until the death. They weren't compromising. You see, but when you're willing to back an immoral person because he's giving you what you want. There's no way if you were still here during that time, what I mean by if you if we if this happens in our lifetime, and you see preach rib is wrong, and you're still here, and now you've got this counter narrative spreading through evangelical Christians that you can get the mark of the beast and still go to heaven. That means you can back
and be loyal to an immoral person because he's giving you what you want. You have to understand, ladies and gentlemen, the precedent that is being set by evangelicals and then on top of it, they say if you are here and get the mark of the beast, you can still go to heaven. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, Lord have mercy on our souls. Why would anyone tell a lie like that? Let me read Revelation 14, 11 through 13 again. And the smoke of their torment shall ascend up forever and ever and they will have no rest day or night who worship the beast in his image and so whoever receiveth the mark of his name now listen to these next few verses because they're very important here is the patience of the saints listen ladies and gentlemen Preach Freya always do this. It's a dumb, it's a dumb conversation they, but it's a it's a point they make. The word church isn't used in Revelation after chapter three. Church is not the only word Paul ever used to talk about Christians. He used the word saints. Hagios. It's the word that everybody uses. The word church doesn't have to be everywhere for it to be a Christian. It's just a dumb argument. But listen to this. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, does this sound like some left behind folks? These aren't left behind people. These are God's people who are standing up to the Antichrist. And saying, I'm, I'm sorry, I only got one life to give to my Lord Jesus Christ. And they were faithful. Love not their lives, even unto the death. Listen to verse number 13. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth. Yay, say the Spirit, for they will rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Now, wait a minute, ladies and gentlemen. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. I thought Priest Reb said the Holy Spirit was gone. Wait a minute. You know, uh, I don't have time to find it, but Dr. Mark Hitchcock, I played it. In, go back to my 18th episode. I think it's in the, my episode 18. I played Mark Hitchcock. Go back to Dr. Mark Hitchcock. He's another one of them Dallas Theological Boys. I, I had brief conversation with him, too. He says, oh, if we were still here with the Antichrist, what comfort would that be? Because the, the Paul told them to comfort one another with these words. He was talking to the Thessalonians. 
the Thessalonians didn't understand that the word comfort means that they weren't going to go through anything because they were, they were under persecution when Paul wrote them. As a matter of fact, this is the reason why they wrote 2 Thessalonians because someone told them that they were in the day of the Lord already. So they were already familiar with persecution. The comfort that they had was not in the fact that they missed suffering. Because Jesus said if we suffer with him, we will also reign with him. Oh, what comfort would there be if we were left here to be killed by other Christ? Well, let's let the Comforter, the Holy Spirit himself, answer that question. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Blessed are the dead that die in the Lord from here on. Yes, saith the Spirit. They will rest from their labor. Now here you have the Holy Spirit himself, the Comforter himself, giving comfort to those who die under those circumstances. What do you mean, what comfort did they have? And then it says, who die in the Lord. How do you die in Christ? Without the Holy Spirit. And here you have the Holy Spirit himself guaranteeing him to say, your work's going to follow you. We Look, man, we see what you're going through. You're about to get blessed big time on the other side. You see, here's what a lot of pre-tribbers are missing. Comfort. Comfort does not mean comfortable. Comfort does not mean comfortable. You can have the comfort of the Lord while they're about to set you on fire. That's what happened to Polycarp. Polycarp, when he was there, when they were, when they were setting him ablaze, the Bible, the Bible says he, he was in perfect peace. Remember Stephen in, in, in Acts 8? Uh, Acts, uh, uh, yeah, Acts 8. Remember Stephen? Or Acts 7? It skips me right now because I'm not looking at it. Those members of the Sanhedrin, they were about to stone him to death. About to knock his brains out. You know what he did? He said, Lord, don't, don't uh, charge it to them. He looked up, he seen the Lord standing. Them people dashed his brains out ladies and gentlemen they stoned him to death but yet he was comfort he was in the spirit of comfort he going God it's all good don't charge it to him let him go Don't, Lord I'm fine what did Paul say when he's about to get his head cut off Paul said I'm ready to be offered up. Oh, hallelujah. He said, I'm ready. And pour me out like a drink offering. Hey, I did my course, ran my course, did my job. Hey, I'm cool. Come on, bring it on. That's the comfort that is we're talking about. It's not comfort as in the avoidance of tribulation. That's not what God is talking about here when he talks about comfort. But the point is you have the comforter guaranteeing these saints in Revelation 14 who this pre-trib said the Holy Spirit's already gone. 
Now the Holy Spirit is guaranteeing them. You know something was interesting? You're going to find this very interesting. The Holy Spirit only speaks certain times in the book of Revelation. I'm going to read the verses to you. The first one is, He that have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. The Spirit. Revelation 2.17 He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. He that overcometh, I will give to eat hidden manna. Revelation 2.29 He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation 3.6 He that have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Same thing with Revelation 3.13 Same thing with Revelation 3.22 The Spirit doesn't speak again or is in the role of speaking or depicted as speaking. Again He doesn't do it again until Revelation 14.13 and I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yes, saith the Spirit. Hear the Spirit talking again. But who's he talking to? Listen. Here's the other verse where the Spirit speaks. Revelation 22 and 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, let them say, let him that hears say, Come, let them that are thirst, Come, and whosoever will, let them take of the water freely. And the Spirit and the Bride say, So whenever you hear the Spirit in Revelation speaking, ladies and gentlemen, He is speaking to or about or concerning the church. In Revelations 2 and 3, he is speaking to the churches of Asia Minor. Revelation is very clear about who this is addressed to. Those were specific churches, plural. There is only one church, the church, definite article, the church, not a indefinite article, a church, the church. There's only one of those. It's not a bunch of those. So whenever you see the word churches, that's local churches. But when the Spirit speaks in Revelation, it's always in connection to the church or God's people. So in Revelation 14, this is why the Holy Spirit speaks up about the people who do not get the mark of the beast because they are part of God's people. They are Christians. They are the church, the last generation of church saints. That's why the Spirit takes, that's why the Spirit is in the conversation. Because it's dealing with God's people. It's dealing with the church. 
And then the last time he speaks, the spirit says to the the spirit and the bride says, Come. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's important to understand why the evangelicals, white evangelicals particularly, why would they hold on to an immoral man? Because he's given them what they want. And that's where the compromise is. That's where the slippery slope is. That's where deception is. Because you're saying if you give me what I want, I'll make a pact with the devil. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Antichrist. He's going to give people what they want. Economic freedom. Liberty, because you won't get locked up. And life, because you won't get killed. And just in case Preach Rib is wrong and we're all still here anyway, if you get the mark of the beast even, John MacArthur then told you, you can still be redeemed. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a lie from the pit of hell. The sad thing is when John MacArthur made that misstatement, there were many evangelicals. They're on the internet. You can see them. Uh, YouTube. That came out and backed his stand. They said, oh yeah, we agree with that. Oh yeah, yeah. He, he, he broke it down. Yeah, we agree. I don't care. Listen, it don't. Ain't none of them people writing these books today. Me included. Die for your sins. None of us have a heaven or hell to put you in. When men dare take their traditions and make the word of God none effect. They're playing with hell itself. And maybe this is why this is in there. If any man add to my words. Let's, let's read that. Let's read that. Let me go here real quick. And then we're going to end this segment. I know this has been rich. I know this has been thought provoking. But ladies and gentlemen. We are coming up on times that we're going to need all the help we can get. Glory to God. Let me find this. Revelation 22.19. I want to read this to you. Verse 18, rather. For I testify unto you, to every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book, if any man shall add to these things, 
God shall add to him the plagues that are written in this book. If any man shall take away from the words of this prophecy, God should take away his part of the book of life out of the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. Now I want you to ask yourself, when John MacArthur told people they could get the mark of the beast and still be saved, you ask yourself, is he adding or is he taking away? The answer to that question is, it don't make a difference because both of these things will send your tail to hell and get your name taken out of that book. Whether you add to it or take away from it. People, we have to all be careful. We have to be diligent. We have to watch it. Or who we align ourselves with. Just because he gives us what we want. You have just heard another exciting episode of the Revelation Revolution. God bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, we'll talk to you next year.